You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Open your Bibles to Acts 2, and we're going to start at, at verse 37. And as you guys are getting there, just kind of the, whew, the background to where we're picking up at. So uh, previously, at, at the beginning of Acts uh, chapter 2 here, it's the day of Pentecost, one that I think we're very familiar with, um, where the disciples, the apostles have all gathered together. Um, they're preaching, and then the, the tongues of fire come down, and they start talking in all of the, the different languages of the people around them, and uh, they're being, you know, as, as people are hearing all of the, the various languages, they're thinking, well, they, they've got to be drunk. Um, something doesn't seem right here. Peter gets up, um, admonishes the crowd, says, no, they are not drunk. Basically, let me tell you what's going on here. And then he gives his sermon um, to the men of Judea and to Jerusalem, sharing who Christ is and why um, they're there sharing that day. And we're going to pick up in verse 37 now. I'm sorry, this thing really feels like it's I'm upside down or something, but maybe not. Forgive me, a little nervous this morning too. So anyway, Acts 2, starting in verse 37, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Now when they, that is the, the crowd, heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the, the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this time we have again this morning to dive into your word, um, just to see what it is that you have um, recorded for us years and years ago that have stood the test of time. These words 
have not changed. You have not changed. It is um, your, your preserving of, of your word that we are able to have this time together now this morning to study it and to dive into it. And Lord, I just ask um, that as, as we look at this today, as I share, um, that you would work through me, um, that it would be your words coming out, and that your message would come across uh, through this imperfect vessel that is up here doing his best today. Um, we just thank you for the everyone that's here. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be working in each and every one of us, uh, giving us a heart to understand and ears to hear and eyes to see what it is that you would show us. And I just, uh, again, commend this time to you and ask for your, your work to be done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, picture high school. Uh, I'm a sophomore and getting together in the hallway before before school starts, everyone's just, the, you've got the commotion, the hubbub, people are finding their lockers, putting their stuff away, getting their books ready for the first class, and everybody's kind of breaking off into their groups of, you know, friends as they're, they're starting the day, and shut my locker, I'm looking around as well, and where's my group? Wh who am I going to go hang out with? And there's... I see some, some people gathered together, kind of familiar faces, and I say, I'm going to go join that group. So I walk up, and again, I'm head and shoulders above everybody else, and I'm still as shy and quiet as I am today. And I want to be a part of it, even if I don't know exactly what, what to say or if I have anything to say. I get up next to the group. I'm standing on the outskirts. I'm listening. I'm laughing. I got nothing else to offer. And that kind of goes day by day, that's what it is. And I thought everything was good. The people that I was standing around the outside of did not appreciate it much. Um, and over the course of time, uh, they found ways to, to get away and just kind of to myself at that point, not really knowing what was going on until later. And we'll get into later. Um, but for this morning, really, what I want to get into is um, the desire for fellowship and friendship. You know, why, why is that there and why is that such an important thing? So, um, first off, Caleb, I, I'll ask you to put up that first, first slide here. So what I've, what I've got, hopefully you guys can see it pretty well. I, I'm following in Pastor Mike's footsteps. Webster's 1828 Dictionary, let's, let's define fellowship. Uh, the first one that we've got up here, I would say is probably the most common one that we think of when we think of a fellowship. Companionship, society, consort, mutual association of persons on equal and friendly terms, familiar intercourse. Really, I would, you know, the, the synonym for that one, kind of the summary of that one, Friendship camaraderie, you know, very basic when it comes to that. Um, not getting very deep into it, but I think we would all, all say there's a desire that, that we have for being a part of a group. And uh, again, 
you know, it, it's ingrained in all of us. We all have a desire. We know it's not good to be alone. And God recognized this too uh, right after he made Adam. You know, if you look back at Genesis 2.18, I'm, I'm going to flip through a lot of, of passages today again, so sorry if you're not able to keep up with me. I cheated. I wrote them all out. I don't have to flip from uh, page to page in the Bible. But um, in Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Um, so from the very beginning... Man wasn't meant to be alone. We're not meant to be alone. We, we desire, we're made for community and for that friendship. Um, you know, I, I probably watch more TV than I should, uh, but one of the shows that, that we've gotten into, especially Karen and, and Micah here the last few months, is Alone. Uh, and on that show, it's, it's our survival show. They drop 10 people off out in, you know, the wilderness, essentially, all on their own. They have to document everything. And these are seasoned vets when it comes to living out in nature all by themselves. And constantly, one of the themes we hear over and over again as we're watching this show, the hardest thing for them is the, the loneliness. There's nobody to talk to. There's nobody to share the experience with. It drives them nuts being on their own, and quite a few of them uh, quit because of that, because they want to be back with their family, their friends, whomever it may be. Um, so there's just ingrained in us that, that desire. But I think there's something deeper than that as well, and that's why I wanted to start here in, in Acts. As, as we look at the, the verses, um, what we've got going on here is we're, we're looking at a people uh, or a group of Christians at this point, um, baby Christians as it is, but Christians nonetheless. Peter has shared uh, what it means to follow Jesus, and they've been convicted of it, and they say that's what we want. We're we're apart, and if we look at verse forty-two. You can see they, again, uh, this group of Christians, were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then if you drop down to 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. So there's something deeper going on here in this, this fellowship that they're having. And when I was thinking about today, thinking about fellowship, there's got to be something deeper than just, you know, the, the brief interactions, the, the small talk, the how's the weather, how's the kids, that type of thing going on. Uh, we're very good at that, you know. Um, it's harder getting deeper than that. And if we flip to the second slide here, um, again, fellowship. I think what we're seeing here in, in Acts is more of number seven, that communion and that intimate familiarity with one another. Really, if you will, getting into each other's lives, 
um, really knowing one another and knowing what's going on so that um, we can just help one another out and you know have that that deeper relationship um, but why why be nosy why stick you know ourselves into somebody else's life to know what's going on with it well if we look over I've got a few different ones here um, we'll rattle off a few different passages and a few different reasons why we want to have this fellowship um, the first one Hebrews 10 24 and 25 and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near so we're stirring one another up we're encouraging one another um, as I was looking through things trying to figure out what all to put together today one of the other things I saw is you know the the danger of isolation when we just draw into ourselves and when we do that it's very easy just to focus on us or on me we get very self-centered we um, you know basically when you're isolated you do what you want to do and it's not affecting anybody else because you've closed yourself off to anything and everything else around you but when we've got that that family around us that group around us um, we're focused on them more than we are ourselves and, and encouraging each other and uh, again as Hebrews is showing us here we want to to build each other up uh, we're encouraging one another it's about taking care of those around us not just just ourselves and then if we again just look at a few other places here uh, I'm going to bounce into Ecclesiastes now, and, and this is talking about the benefit of two. Um, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Um, this one and the next one that I've got, the, um, just the desire for friendship. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Really, um, probably over the last year where uh, Carrie and I and the family have seen this one played out the most is back in January when we had the miscarriage and just the way that the body here um, came around us, helped us out. I mean, we had more meals than what we knew what to do with uh, provided. We had people just willing to take our kids for the day or the night or whatever um, so that we could do what we needed to do. Uh, <laughs> we had fallen. <sighs> Should have brought the tea. <laughs> we had fallen at that point, and you guys came around us and, and picked us up uh, during that point. And sometimes it was just to, to sit there. 
uh, even if he didn't know what to say either. And uh, again, that's <coughs> when left to ourselves, we would have just, you know, not known what to do at that point. So having that, that body around us, um, you know, was, was invaluable at that point. Um, uh, third one here, growth. You know, and this goes back even to um, Hebrews as well, encouraging one another. Um, growth, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. We're, I think, all familiar with this one too. Iron sharp, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Um, you know, we. I, I read over that one. I recite it probably all the time, or not all the time, but you know, once in a while, that one comes up. And it's, you know, from just a, a cursory glance at it, one that you say, well, yeah, that's, that's really cool. We're strengthening one another. We're refining one another. But if you think about the action of iron striking iron, that's really um, not that great of a, a sound to hear. That's not that great of a, uh, a process to go through because you're, you're beating off uh, rough edges, you're sharpening areas that need to be sharpened, um, and, and there's something that's gone dull or, or something that's not quite right that needs to be refined. So you, you've got your brother or your sister around you that's noticed and is willing to take the time to to do that maybe uncomfortable work of trying to, to sharpen you uh, or, or refine you. Um, I'm going to use a lot of different examples, I guess, personally here today going through all of this, and one that, again, comes to my mind quite often thinking about this. Um, I had a, a roommate from college that became my best friend. Uh, we, we met uh, by happenstance. I was in Kelk, and he was the TA. I had a horrible assignment one day that I did. I think I got maybe five out of 30 problems right. And just in the hallway, um, talking, uh, again, the, the camaraderie in, in college, um, just standing around, and I could hear him talking about the, the assignments he corrected and not knowing him at all. I just said, yeah, did you see that one that was like five out of 30? He goes, yeah, that kid's an idiot. <laughs> That's me. Oh, crap. He goes, <laughs> and thus our friendship started. <laughs> so that, that would have been my freshman year. And by the time junior year came around, we were roommates together uh, in an apartment. And junior year and our, our uh, abbreviated senior year, we were roommates together. And uh, we had all the same classes. So we joked that uh, when he was engaged, he and I would have to get divorced first so that uh, he and his fiance could get married. We were that close. And after college, after graduation, he moved away. We went our separate ways, but we still kept in contact. And uh, the job that I had, one of the fun things that we did every once in a while is get together to play poker just for fun. Um, but it became, I, I'm one that if I get into something, I kind of really get into it and maybe a little bit more obsessed than I should. And it became a lot of what I talked about and what I focused on. And one time, just hanging out with him over the weekend, Tristan, after I don't know how many stories I had shared about that, he just looks at me, he goes, you know, B, you've changed. That's all he said. I've mentioned this to him multiple times, and he really doesn't even remember the comment. 
but just that that sentence from him made me take a look at is this card game really something that I should be spending all this time and energy and effort on? Um, and I, I stopped. I mean, we'll still play it every once in a while. The boys like to, they want me to teach them now. And we'll still do it every once in a while with friends. But it's not near the, if you will, obsession that it was before. And, you know, that was a very light strike I guess I would say from the, the iron, sharpening iron, but it was an important one and it was an effective one. And I'm sure others have similar examples of, of things like that in your life as well. And, and finally, why, why is this so important? My last example is coming out of Luke 17, and this is Jesus again talking. Um, so lead red, red letters right now, if you will, with, with the Bible that does that when Jesus is speaking. He says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So again, we need to have that, that fellowship with one another that we, we can see. We, we can speak into one another's lives. We can know when there's sin going on. We can know where there's areas of struggle um, to be able to call that attention to each other, because if left to ourselves, we are the greatest deceivers, the greatest justifiers when it comes to our actions, what we do, what we think, um, but when we have somebody else aware of what's going on, they can speak into that as well for us and, and call that out when necessary. So it's important. I, I think we can all agree this, this deep, true fellowship that goes beyond just um, you know, the, the what's new, um, the how are the kids, weather's been awesome, what are you going to do with that today? And really diving down into each other's lives is important. So why don't we always do it? And maybe I'm talking out of turn. Maybe I'm missing the boat and everybody else has these great deep relationships with one another. And again, maybe I'm on the outside looking in. Um, but I think there are quite a few of us that would say we're, we're not quite where we'd want to be. So just some challenges to, to why we don't do this. One, very simply, fear. Um, and there's very various types of fear that we can have. Maybe rejection. We put ourselves out there. We, um, yeah, we want to start that relationship, and the person that we go to just flat out says no not interested. Uh, there could be embarrassment if you try to share something with somebody, uh, very deep, very personal, and you don't get quite the reaction that you're wanting out of it or expecting out of it. And um, what you're hoping led to uh, a deeper bond, a deeper connection, just led to um, the, the opposite of that. And now, um, the, the words can't be put back into the, the toothpaste container, if you will. And finally, ridicule. And, and that might go into the embarrassment side of it as well. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to be open, trying to be honest. You thought someone could help you. And the next thing you know, it's just the gossip around school, around the water cooler, whatever it may be. Or, or just flat out to your face, too, and just saying, <laughs> uh, yeah, tearing you down instead of trying to build you up. Um, 
maybe another reason is just previous hurt that you've had. You, you've been in, uh, you've had fellowship before, you've had those deep relationships, and for some reason the person turned on you. And maybe it's one, maybe it's multiple uh, stabs, knives, whatever it may be that are in the back. Um, and you just don't feel like you can put yourself out there again. It, it was too painful the first time. Why do I want to try it again? Um, another is just time. It, it, it's hard work. It, it takes time to really get to know somebody. Um, I would argue right now probably one of the most common phrases we use with each other as a greeting is just, how are you? How are you doing? And I, I'm just as at fault about it as well. Uh, out on the sidewalk, going, checking the mail, whatever it may be. You cross paths with somebody, and before you even finish asking the question, good, and you, you keep going. It, but once in a while, I do get someone that will share. You know, I'm really struggling with it. You know, the floodgates just open. They're, they're waiting for somebody to ask because, again, there's that connection there. Maybe it's a minute, maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's ten that they take to share with you. But almost without a fault, after they get done, um, their first reaction is, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to share that with you. Um, why? Why are we so tempted or just the initial reaction after we do share, after someone has told us, is to say, I'm sorry for answering the question that you asked me. And I'll tell them that too. I, if they apologize, I say, no, I asked. I want to know. Please tell me. Because obviously there's something there if you're willing to share it and you need somebody to, to share it with. But I know we're busy. I know there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, but if we truly want to have that fellowship, we need to, to take the time to, to listen if you do really want to ask that question and know what is going on with somebody. And then finally, I, I hit on it earlier with the, the growth, but it's hard. It's hard work. It's painful work at times, depending upon whether you're the one um, you know, being worked on or even speaking into somebody else's life. Uh, because you might not know how it's going to go, uh, how are they going to accept or react to the words that you share with them. Um, or, again, if you share something with somebody, how are they, what are they going to speak into your life to? Uh, <laughs> going back to the iron sharpens iron, going back to watching too much TV. Um, another show that we've been watching recently is Forged in Fire. And that's one where it's bladesmiths, blacksmiths, that they take this hunk of metal that, uh, you know, they start out with, and they have to make a knife or sword or whatever it is, some type of blade out of it. Well, you can't just nicely, kindly ask that hunk of steel to get transformed into something else. They are sticking that thing in the fire like none other. That forge... I mean, they're using tongs. They're stepping back five, ten feet away from it. They've got, um, you know, a, a distance between that fire because it is hot. It will burn. And then once they've got that steel warmed up, heated up enough, then they start beating the daylights out of it with the hammer, whether it be a, you know, mechanized press that goes up and down and flattens it out, or it's the, the peen hammer, and they just beat and beat and beat. And it is, again, not a, a comfortable process. It's painful for both. The, the amount of sweat 
that they are exerting through that work, forming that blade, um, they're, they're putting in the work. The tension, the pressure, the heat that that steel is going through being formed is a lot. It's, again, for both sides, there's, there's pain and there's hard work going into it. But well worth it by the time that they're done um, forming and, and making that, that creation out of it. So what do we do? Um, and this, yeah. So how do we overcome these challenges? We step out in faith. And this is where it gets <laughs> the most nerve-wracking and the, the most difficult. And um, just like at home if or, or wherever, um, don't ask of somebody else what you're not willing to do yourself. And this is probably what will take the most time out of today, so I apologize if I, I start to ramble. Um, but really what I, I'm kind of feeling like the the dream right now where you go to school and you end up finding out you're just in your underwear in front of everybody. That's what I'm feeling right now. So <laughs> thankfully I'm not. I am dressed. <laughs> but that that's, yeah, right now where I'm at. So um, some of you that have been here for a while, you've heard the, the first part of my testimony as far as how I became a Christian. Uh, I'll share that again, but I'm going to give you, as Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story, uh, the, the painful part that we have a tendency to hide and keep to ourselves um, because that is a little bit more real um, as far as, yeah. So, um, yeah, growing up, my parents' uh, loving family, uh, I, I grew up knowing, knowing Christ. I grew up in the Christian church. Um, so I have what I've always called a very boring testimony when it comes to coming to know Christ and, and my salvation. Um, you know, we had the, the Bible, or we would read the Bible after supper at night together as a family. Um, Mom was very good about sharing, you know, the, the gospel with me, praying with me. Uh, we went through the, uh, I, I guess I grew up in the Reformed Church uh, once I was on the farm that we're living on now. So the first four or five years of my life, we bounced around. I uh, was actually, when I was born, my parents were going to a Baptist church, and they didn't do infant baptism at that, at that church. It was the uh, believer's baptism. So the church that I grew up in was a Reformed church, and that was where I did the professed my faith in Christ, accepted him um, as the Lord and Savior. And because I hadn't been baptized as a child, uh, I, I got to be baptized as a believer in a Reformed church that only did Reform or uh, baby baptism. So I was my pastor's first adult believer's baptism, and we had a big pool set up outside, and um, we hadn't practiced it beforehand, so when he went to do the baptism, it wasn't the, I'm going to dunk you and bring you back up. It was, you're going down, and I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as you're underwater. I didn't take a deep enough breath before he took me down. 
I'm trying to get up for air. He's trying to keep me down to finish Father, Son, or baptizing name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So I almost got to meet Jesus a lot sooner than I thought that day. Thankfully, I'm still here. Um, and then really, that was sixth grade. Um, it was just the, you know, that was normal life for me. I was not one who has a story of rebellion um, or, you know, going off away from God and then coming back. I've always been, um, you know, walking with the Lord as, as a young child. Um, now, peaks, valley, valleys, dry times, all of that, um, so by no means perfect. So that's the good side of the story. The side that I try to hide, um, or that I have hidden, is the, the relational side of it. So, um, again, growing up on the farm, I was an only child until I was eight years old. So, um, you know, interaction was pretty limited at that point. Not that my parents never took me off the farm, but it was you know, pretty, pretty isolated at that point. And just by nature, I'm an introvert, uh, kind of shy, takes me a while to warm up to people. So then going into school, again, there's always that desire for the friendship, for that camaraderie. And in elementary school, middle school, not that big of a deal because everybody is just friends at that point. You don't have hormones getting in the way or clicks or anything like that. Um, but I do remember uh, seventh grade. So my dad, when I was in seventh grade, he got involved with politics. And with that, obviously, there's the, you become a public, you know, in the public eye to some degree. I mean, it was politics in the, the state side of things, so by no means national level or anything like that. But I do remember mom coming to me one day and saying, you know, Brandon, with dad doing this, everybody's going to be watching and they're going to be looking for a reason, um, something to use against dad. So be very careful about what you do. Every, you know, there's, people are always watching. And I took that to heart. Um, so because of that, there was just always, uh, I guess, a very carefulness, a very um, just kind of, keeping people at an arm's distance, if you will, and, and just making sure, I guess, really to be perfect is what I was focused on at that point, not messing up, whatever it may be, because I did not want to be the reason that dad lost. Um, so that was seventh grade. And then getting into high school and my story that I shared at the beginning of time there, or at the beginning of, of our time together, the um, just wanting to be involved in a group and the rejection that came with that. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't come in. I, I'm sorry, I'm rambling because I don't have all this written out, so bear with me. School was always kind of the same group. Uh, kindergarten through sixth grade, we were just on the harmony side. 
and then seventh grade and on, we had consolidated with Preston as, as Fillmore Central. So for the most part, it was always the same group of kids that you grew up with. It wasn't some of these larger cities, larger schools that all of a sudden you're bringing in people that you've never met before and trying to coexist at that point. This was all the same group from basically seventh grade and on. Um, but as we get into high school, we form our cliques, we form our groups, we, we kind of start figuring out our identities at that point. Um, unfortunately for me, I really never fit, fit anywhere is kind of the way that it felt. So wanting to be a part of a group, I ended up kind of on the periphery, wanting to join in, but never really being uh, accepted or, or brought into a group. Instead, I just kind of followed like a puppy, or as they called it, as a shadow, and wanted to be, be with it even if I wasn't with it. And eventually, um, this drove the people uh, crazy enough that they would start hiding during uh, like lunch hour and stuff when we had time to, to hang out, to get away from me. And eventually, during one of our English classes, when we're sharing poetry, um, I found out that I was wish dead at that point. And, you know, as a 40-year-old, probably hearing that, it's, well, that's just silly, whatever, not that big of a deal. As a 15-year-old in high school, uh, that hurt a lot. And my natural reaction was to withdraw um, after hearing that. So my uh, sophomore year was basically just go to class, go to basketball, go to band, and then find a table in the lunchroom when I had to have lunch, head down, eat, get out of there as quickly as possible by myself. And then, um, you know, yeah, the, the, the walls went up. My, again, my defense mechanism withdraw, put up walls, and sarcasm was the way that uh, I, I kind of dealt with that, too. So for those of you who have had to deal with my sarcasm, that's, that's where that started. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> because I wanted to laugh, and I needed to know how to, to deal with that. Um, so yeah, that, that was thankfully, uh, there was one or two people that I was able to make somewhat of a connection with, so there wasn't complete isolation but it sure felt uh, alone quite a bit. Um, there was one day I remember standing outside in the, the front yard. My dad had an old hunting knife, maybe about that long. Sucker was so dull it wouldn't cut butter, but he let me play with it because it was that dull. It had been a rough while, and I just remember pulling it out, looking at the wrist, and for a split second contemplated. Thankfully, I didn't do anything. I, I put it away. Um, but there was that thought. Um, through the rest of high school, it was what it was. I, I you know, basketball was uh, kind of what I did for fun. And thankfully, we did that a lot through the school year, through summer. That's just what I, I kind of put myself into. And then college, I was looking forward to because that was a fresh start. Um, High school, I would not want to go back to uh, again. I, I know quite a few people. That's the best years of their life. I couldn't wait to get out of there. College was a fresh start. Um, 
made some good friends there, but still um, at an arm's length. And, and even today, that's, that's where I am when it comes to relationships. I, I'm going to speed this up. I don't need to take you guys through all of you know, my 20s, my 30s. Um, we'll, we'll be here forever if I do that. Um, but, you know, there is, you know, so I'm trying to build here, and I'm sorry, again, I'm out of, out of whack, but um, when it comes to that, that desire for perf- perfection or the facade, we, we, we all have our facades that we put on. My facade is perfection, um, and that gets started back in seventh grade. I started a business seven years ago working with Thrivent, and, you know, again, that was my own. I I was running solo on that with some support um, within the company. But if somebody, you know, those first couple of years would come and ask me, how are things going, um, I struggled with it. It was hard. But if I'm talking to somebody that might be working with me and I'm telling you I'm struggling, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do this, oh, by the way, will you invest with me and give you all your money to manage? Not a real winning combination. So you, you got to bury that. You put on the facade. You got it all figured out. Life is grand, and you fake it till you make it. Um, and thankfully, I, you know, I'm, I can share that now because I'm past that, that point of, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen here? Uh, but then layer that, one more layer, uh, getting into the role of an elder 10-ish years ago or so. Um, a- again, you feel like you got to have all the answers. Uh, if there's something you're struggling with, if there's a question that you got, who are you supposed to ask? Well, you go to an elder. Well, what if I am an elder? Um, so, uh, yeah, that's... Um, adds another layer on top of it, I guess. So what what I'm getting at through all of this is really I'm just trying to share today to to start that fellowship. This is me. Um, these are my struggles. This is who I am. I I desire to have that uh, fellowship with others. I suck at it. Uh, if I can say that word here, sorry, I stink at it. Um, <laughs> sorry, my filter is coming off a little bit. Um, I'm great at the small talk. My first job, thankfully, was working at Quick Trip uh, in high school. And that first day when I had to get behind the counter, my legs were shaking so bad I didn't know if I could stand up there. Uh, but thankfully, uh, I did. And I got really good at talking to people about the weather and how are you doing. Um, but not much deeper than that. And unfortunately, it seems like that's where I'm stuck at right now, too, is just I can ask you about the weather. I can ask you what's new. um, But I don't know what to say after that, quite honestly. It's not that I don't want to. I just don't know. Um, So I'm hoping that through this, it, it opens up the opportunity, whether it's others here, um, th- this was not supposed to be a pity party about me by any chance or a feel bad for Brandon opportunity. This was, I want to take the first step to have that fellowship 
that we're looking at here in Acts where we're spending time together. We're in each other's business. We know what's going on as that church body so that we can support one another, lift one another up, encourage one another. Um, and I hope that's what comes out of this. That, that's my goal. Um, and I guess that's where I'll, I'll end it for right now. Uh, so that I can get my clothes back on and not feel naked up here anymore. So will you guys pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, um, thank you again for just this time of fellowship with one another, Lord. Um, thank you that, that you are here with us in the, the dirt and the grime that we don't have to have everything all figured out and come to you perfected and with life all in order. We come to you as broken, imperfect um, people that you love because you made us and you care for us. And through your son Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection again, we have that, that gift, that hope of forgiveness of our sins and life everlasting with you. And that gives us a, a bond as a, a family of believers, Lord. And I pray that we would um, grow in that bond with each other, that we would have that deep fellowship, that deep communion, um, those deep relationships with one another, not just taking the, the five or ten minutes after the service is done um, to do the, the cursory conversations, um, but really to, to get to know one another, to get into the dirt, to know the, the uncomfortable things that we're dealing with um, and the, the messiness that is our lives, Lord. And through that, that we would... Um, grow closer to each other, uh, but ultimately, Lord, to grow closer to you and to glorify you. I just pray all of these things in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.